Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright. Andy, it's a big night. We find out who drew the minute with the big hero moment, and we get to see if they deserve it. <laughs> Do they? We'll find out. Yes, right. We're talking about Minute 113, which begins with bringing down the Leviathan and ends with Cap's plan for Thor. Joining us on the show today, drumroll, it is the Timeline Scavengers themselves. That's right. James Anderson, Colin Parker are in the house. Hello, gents. Hello. Yay. Hello. Yay. We're here. It's nice to be here. Let's get into it. Right. Yes. <laughs> so this, uh, we, you know, every time you're here, we're always like, okay, who picked these minutes? Uh, we know that James' method was, you know, a bunch of minutes in a hat, and these are the random minutes that we picked. Except for this one was the one that Colin said, this is the one <laughs> I want. This is Colin's yep. minute. This is the one. He said that one and then four others. <laughs> Do you remember how early you were in the in the lottery? Right away. I feel like probably Quick. pretty yeah, pretty yeah. right away. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like once we knew for sure that we were going to get a uh, invite back, which God bless you. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, once we saw that was going to happen, I was like, James, I need you to figure out which minute this one's going to be. Is like this? Like I was like, there are so many things that I would love to talk about, but if there's o- if there's one thing and only one thing that I get to talk about, I want it to be this one. Yeah, Colin ready in action, and it was a little my bit. Action. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so James James had it ready. You, it worked, and you are both here, and we are thrilled. Uh, before we get to that hero moment, though, we're talking about the destruction of this Leviathan that finally has been taken down. Hulk hit it, Iron Man shot at it, and the whole thing blew up. Is this explosion, you know, the start of this minute, it's kind of, we see some explosion, Clint is hiding behind the cab, and uh, the head, it looks like the head or the front piece of it kind of crashes down off the Park Avenue viaduct um, onto 42nd Street, uh, right in front of Grand Central Station. But the question is, is this explosion more or less gratifying than the explosion of a graboid in Tremors? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You do know what show you're doing right now, right? <laughs> I think Colin and I are about to about to ask a follow up question here, and I'm and I'm worried about the 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 direction of this conversation. Oh no, no my my thing was, what is a leviathan if not a graboid uh, uh, persisting? Right, <laughs> of the sky. Mine was. I don't think I've seen tremors. Really, that's shocking to me. Actually, oh, wow. I think I may have. I may have seen it on like a Cinemax in like 1998 or something. But I was sort of like, let's no. keep going around. Uh, one, like one does not think they saw Tremors. <laughs> one either saw Tremors or did not. Like it's right. binary. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. You may not have seen the full thing. Yeah, like if you're like sort of an underground hit surfing through <laughs> yeah. channels, you might. Yeah, yeah, you might find like the like last thirty minutes ago. What I don't need to have watching? seen it to joke about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, it's just a great movie. And anyway, I just I love that these worms. Like, there's just this. I don't know. There's something gratifying about exploding like giant worms in some capacity. But I will say this one in some way is a little um, it, it it's not quite as gratifying for me because I feel like there should be more goo and innards going all over mm. everybody here. And I don't know if it's just like Tony's blast like blew all of that up. And so all we get is like a head chunk that lands on the ground. But 
I don't know. I feel like the entire Park Avenue should be gooey and sticky and full of it, guts. Yes, it should. It's much more like Mr. Stay Puffed, right? Like I, it <laughs> yes. needs to be covered in exactly right. uh, a order of magnitude of goo. The only thing that makes it work for me is that it is an armored big worm and that maybe the armor, it's like a worm in a can. And maybe all the goo is contained <laughs> by the exterior armaments. Although now I just want, like, you know, those little canned, like, cans of peanuts, but you open it, yeah. and it's the big word. I just want to jump that's out. That's basically it. what the Leviathan is. It's in its can of peanuts. <laughs> but it's <laughs> always <laughs> wet. But isn't that what Loki's doing, though? Like, literally, there's a hole in the sky, mm-hmm. and he's yeah. like, whoops, sp- more space worms. <laughs> Get up. Got a mischief. Do to do. Uh, I feel like this is something that, like, happens a few times in this movie. In general, it's like there's a lot of times where there should be way more blood. Mm. Yes. In fact, actually, I think at every <laughs> point that there is blood, there's just not really any. And I think that it's this is, if I'm not mistaken, the first time where like Walt Disney himself uh, came back. from. No, but I feel like the, that Disney themselves were like we're fully producing and kind of like, you know, instead of Paramount. And there's a little bit of that like, hey, we're for kids like, what's the, you know, I don't, I mean, I'm sure they have other stuff that isn't also that, but still, it feels a little bit like the, we're playing it safe with how much we're showing on screen. And then, you know, now in modern day, uh, fast forwarding, you know, major spoiler for, I don't know, 20 years for you, for you guys, I guess. Um, but, uh, we just had our first F bomb, you know, in the MCU recently. So it's like, you know, that's, it's such a huge difference in that way, but, I feel like they were really playing it safe with a lot of that. It is still paramount, but I think the same thing applies still, that they were just, there still is this line, like, where's the PG-13 line? You know, I I think that that's where things sit. Well, and I will say that, you know, the Avengers comics were not like gore fests. I mean, it was sort of like, let's take this down, and now we're sort of slightly bruised. It's one of those things, like, even in the Star Wars movies, like, there's, and Star Trek, like, those sorts of things. If there's purple blood or blue blood or goo from the insides of something, like, generally, it kind of plays as a joke. And, like, I mean, I I can't think of anything right now, but I'm sure there's probably half a dozen movies where some giant creature gets destroyed and everybody gets covered in just kind of slime and goo and the whole audience cracks up. Like, I, I feel like they could have done that. Now... It makes it hard for the yeah. team that stays on the ground to actually keep <laughs> operating. That might be why. <laughs> yeah, you don't think that would have detracted Although from the I'd next really moment? Love, <laughs> yeah, right, the six of them, as they're all slipping and sliding. Standing and in soup of viscera? Or they're standing there because that was kind of how they managed to land right before it. And they're like, uh, ugh, uh, yeah, boy, not moving. please don't make me step through it. Don't lift your feet. The Avengers theme turns into the Benny Hill theme. <laughs> Everyone just sort of slips and falls down. But yeah, it is interesting that they could have gone that route, though, because, you know, purple blood, alien, green goo, maybe blood or something. We don't really know. It's it maybe sure, it's ectoplasm or right? sort of a, blue bloods. Yeah. It's Tom Selleck. Uh, you know, it, there's all sorts of different <laughs> options that you can go for um, with these things. But yeah, it is a surprisingly small explosion. Yes. Yes. But. Some does end up on the camera, and I wanted to know what you guys think about when it happens that, like, the camera becomes, like, oops, it got splashed, or there's a bit of worm gut on the camera, which shouldn't be a a thing, but it is. Like, what, that, does that, guys, does that take you out of it, or do you guys think, like, who is this, whose eyes are these that have gotten goo on them, or... 
or, or does that not bug you? It's happened a few times in the film where they kind of break the fourth wall by getting the camera splashed upon. Yeah. And it's, you know, it is one of those cinematic tools that I, I I don't know exactly when it started, but some filmmakers started doing that because it makes it feel like you're really putting the team right there in the action. Like it amplifies that documentary style. And that really pairs with, uh, this director's particular style of camera work where in an action moment where you have like when Hulk is falling off of the uh, from when he attacks the the jet off the helicarrier and then he falls and the jet blows up you've got that shot the wide shot of him and then kind of like the camera finds him crash zooms in and all of that like that very documentary style approach this really kind of just is another part of that, of having kind of a documentary style. I, I think it's fine. It does feel like it is putting you into the action. I, I guess it's never quite bugged me too much. Um, I, I feel like there have been some films subsequently that they've maybe done it a little a little too often, and it's a little too cheeky. But in this particular moment, I it doesn't... I don't find it too distracting. I don't think it bothers me either, just because it's like we're in the middle of a battle. And that seems to be where they are, right. where yeah. they're super conscious about it. Like it's it's taking it's not just documentary, but it's like documentary war film. And that seems fair game. Well, that's fair. That's fair. The thing that we had talked about one time on our show during I think it was an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode where they also did the same thing. Did I did I bring that up then? too? <laughs> Uh, yeah, but like I had notes on it, but I can't seem to find it now, which is uh, a shame. But like I remember having read through something about how that is not exactly a trope, but it is a thing that did start with like war films and stuff like that. But it is something that is supposed to emotionally connect audiences with the fact that there's action and that there is effectively like death and destruction. It's the same thing as like when you're going to have a really gruesome death and you cut away to a wall to have a, like a big splatter happen. It's like the same thing. It's like to to let you know like, hey, something's happened and it's pretty gruesome. It's the same way. And I think sometimes that you can kind of get away with showing less blood elsewhere if some of it hits you so that it's like not as gory in a way. Yeah, it's it's that's the measure of emotional intensity, too. Right. Because it's not just there is destruction, but you audience person are in danger right now because this thing landed right next to you. And that feels uh, that 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 feels legit. That feels OK, okay to me. It is the it, it's the cinematic sort of debris equivalent of an actor turning to the camera and winking like it's that sort of <laughs> destructive <laughs> breaking of the fourth wall. And I, uh, you know, uh, much of the time I like it. Looking on uh, our favorite TV dot org, they have a, a whole section called camera abuse and camera abuse. Yeah, yeah. And it is anything from the camera moving too close to somebody's face to the point where their face hits the lens uh, yes, all the way that. to dirt on the lens, any of this, or blood splatters, etc., etc. There's a long, long list of films and projects. Sometimes the kind of, like, shakier camera, because, like, you know, you can go in with a, uh, like, there's different forms of steady cams um, to keep things from getting too jittery, but sometimes when people are, like, running, running, they won't stabilize them at all, so that you have that, like, it's like you are running with them kind of emotion, um, and it adds to the the chaos of of everything. And uh, I also think that the blood on the screen kind of also is such an interesting accent to lead into like that big, powerful six of them standing there. It is a little bit of that, like you, the viewer, are in danger. However, they are here, you know, and I feel like that's a protectors stand among us. 
Correct. Yeah. And I feel like that's a cool, like, uh, not switcheroo, but I don't know what the word for that would be, but like, you know, just some yeah. sort of juxtaposition. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's also an interesting element that they do here with that shot of the Leviathan kind of crashing down off the side of the viaduct where the focus is kind of shallow. And it's interesting because as the Leviathan comes crashing like right toward us and just past us, it goes out of focus. Like it's so close to us that it's out of focus. And it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that they do. Although weirdly, like everything goes out of focus. And I can't quite tell if the design is that part of like the dirt on the lens, like this is a cameraman who's freaking out because the <laughs> Leviathan's about to hit him. Or is it is it the like the breath of the, Le- the Leviathan is like fogging the lens? Like, what are they actually saying here with that? But it's a really interesting tool that they're playing with right there. How diegetic do you want the camera to be right like it, we i remember one time my, my my dad and i were watching a thing where the it was security cam footage but then the security cam footage went to a, went did something in a way that was like it like zoomed in or like <laughs> tracked and my dad was like what is this <laughs> yeah camera right where is this camera that is following them because it it's now following them down the hall what is this and uh i think it's interesting like I think it's fine for like a second effect, but like you reach a point, I feel like where it's like, now I have to see what this camera is because enough interaction has happened between it and the environment where someone has to be holding a camera or something like a camera phone or whatever to be like breath of stuff. Well, and I think that's the risk here. I mean, Andy, to your question, what are they saying by making the camera do this? That level of interaction, like had it gone on for any longer, we might have stopped and thought, what happened to the cameraman? Like now we're worried about the other players that we've never given second thought to. Uh, And it's that's I I think that's the risk. I I didn't hit it until we started doing a movie by minute podcast on it. But now I'm worried about him. (laughs) Something that helps in this sort of situation, too, though, is that, like, uh, we don't necessarily see them really until, like, the aftermath, but there is a kind of implication that there are news crews on the ground, too. So that could also be the concept of, for this brief moment, we are viewing this through the lens, literally, of a cameraman who is trying to broadcast on, like, CBS or whatever. And they're like, Steve, you know, wipe the damn lens. He's like, oh, sorry. And he's like, oh, sorry. Yeah. And it's another Stanley. It's another Stanley. Uh, yeah, right. He's like, he's like, like, he's dressed like a young cat, like a Jimmy Olsen. Like, he's like knickerbockers. His and stuff. whole thing is like, I was one day away from retirement. And now this. Oh, no. <laughs> How many cameos can they squeeze in from Stan the in the film? Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's the other thing that happens here as we see the Leviathan's uh, front half, I guess, crash into the street below. The street is still full of people who are just like I always question all these people. We've been talking about this pretty much since the Chitari first arrived. But it's like, why do people linger so long? And we've talked about how people on the ground run, people in the windows or in the buildings go to the windows and watch. But here it's like, okay, they've obviously been running. But they're not going anywhere. They're still standing in the middle of the flipping street. It's like you're under attack. Like, go somewhere else. Like, get out of this ground zero. Those are all tourists. Yeah, yeah. They're all with their cameras I think out. The, the big issue there, right, is, of course, like their whole thing was we're trying to minimize this to a small radius. 
But imagine you're in that radius. So you're like, yeah. okay, I'm going to run towards 42nd. <laughs> there's someone there. Just kidding. I'm going to turn. No, I'm not. Yeah. So like, I imagine there's some people that are just sort of going, not exactly in circles, but are kind of labyrinthing like, their way. Right. Yeah, because like they keep starting to go somewhere. And then, uh-oh, just kidding. There's people here. Let's run this way. That's true. Well, that is, the, I guess, the danger. We're not quite at that point where they're actually going to have a plan as far as how they're going to kind of keep everybody in this radius. But at the same time, so far, we've got this giant beam kind of coming down. We've got the Chitari all circling around. Obviously, you're right. It does make it hard to actually get out of there. So that's a good point. Yeah. We we get a shot that I kind of love. We're going back to uh, Dutch angles. I love when uh, that's a tool that we do keep seeing these filmmakers use. I feel like Kenneth Branagh went crazy with it. And now all these other filmmakers are like, you know, it does kind of have a fun comic book feel. Let's put some of those in. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at the side <laughs> of, of the building here, um, 120 Park uh, Avenue, and we see a bunch of all the Chitari that were, <laughs> as we decided, birthed from the Leviathan <laughs> as they all kind of shot over on their umbilical cords, grabbing onto the building. And they're still kind of working on descending. But this is like this angry Chitari cry where they all kind of cry out as the death of the leviathan and then we land on one who you know they're all wearing these masks but (laughs) did we know they were masked until this very moment when it pulls it off (laughs) or did we think did this thing just rip its face off because it kind of looks like that's its skull there like i don't know i i feel like when i first saw this i'm like what just happened to that thing did it rip its face off in the first draft this was supposed to be the stanley cameo (laughs) (laughs) don't make me come down there yeah Uh, looking at the hall going, why are you on I think a lot of the times it makes me think of like, there's a lot of other kind of like sci-fi projects and stuff like that where there are characters or people that either wear masks or full-on helmets because they can't physically like remove them like in certain atmospheres. And I think they obviously can on Earth, but I'm thinking about how we see them technically like in space through like the portal and stuff like that. And I'm wondering like how perfectly sealed these Leviathans are. Cause like, I, I don't know what their whole deal actually is, is like, do they just have a giant open space built into their body that people have armored up? Or is it kind of like cows where we dig like a literal hole in them to see, you know, one of their many stomachs to sort of see how they're digesting or whatever. And they're doing the same thing to these things to stuff people in. I don't know what that deal fully is. Cause we've never like, actually gone through and you know uh explored that and i feel like we don't need to that's a little gross although now i now i want a seventh grade science class film yep. the science yeah. of the chitauri mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's just told in screens <laughs> um i i i don't know it never really bugged me the the chitauri thing it feels like it's more armament than like this the myth of the chitauri here is now in my head after watching them uh, it's just they're okay everywhere, and we just need to believe they're okay <laughs> everywhere. Like, like the universal soldier, right? Like, right. Yeah, I was thinking it was like almost like an oxygen tank, you know, and then or yeah. whatever they breathe, and then once they're on the planet, they could just rip them off. And then one guy's like, "Hey, just in case you can't hear me, yeah, really kind of foreshadowing COVID nineteen. He, you know, he's like." 
the original like I'm gonna pull my mask down to talk to you, and everyone's like, please, no, it's fine, <laughs> put you it can leave it on. Yeah. Six feet, please. Put it back All six the feet. other Chitari on the on the building are just like embarrassed. <laughs> he doesn't. They're like not, six feet doesn't. apart. Six feet yeah. apart, my guy. It is kind of like that that they're all like landing on the building, but it's sort of like taking their seats in a theater in the round because the next cut is the hero moment, and we see that everybody's looking at everybody from all angles, and they're just waiting for the party to start or waiting for the play to start. Yeah, that guy was actually that guitar was saying, "Woo, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> right." They're actually cheering him on. Yeah, if only we'd taken time to get to know them a little bit. You know, <laughs> yeah. before that's we killed the, them all. the biggest problem of all. Well, that's a, that's what we also decided about the Leviathan that they're basically like. Uh, you know, whale sharks. They're just these kind, gentle beasts that are being manipulated <laughs> and controlled by these armor suits, uh, the mech that has been put on by the Chitari overlords. And uh, they're just like, hey, they're coming up trying to say, hey, come help me. And people are just destroying them and ripping them apart. They're like, hey, I just wanted to do this to get college paid for, but now I'm in some other dimension. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. going on? At war. They do have gigantic sharp teeth that they did try to, like, bite at Tony Stark with, you know? (laughs) That was a misunderstanding. (laughs) I see, I see. That's just a Chitari hello. Where they come from, their food (laughs) looks like Tony Stark. They didn't know better. They like in Iron Man. Mania with the giant broccoli, yeah. but with a person. Yeah. They, exactly. It's Iron Man, but they think Iron Can. They're like, oh, yeah. so food inside? Oh, yum. <laughs> right. Yum. Nom, nom, nom. Well, we go from these screaming Chitari and the one who rips his uh, face mask off. And this is our big hero shot. We've got the 360, not quite 360, but basically a 360 sort of shot, starting with the, you know, from the Chitari cry to Hulk yelling right back. And then, of course, the camera spins around. We get a great shot of all six of our heroes getting into kind of heroic poses. We've got, uh, you know, uh, Hulk roaring and getting ready to smash. We've got uh, Hawkeye knocking his, uh, knocking his arrow or notching his arrow. Knocking mm-hmm. his hair, knocking. right? Yeah. yeah. Thor's yeah. wielding Mjolnir. Um, uh, Black Widow is uh, putting a new uh, mag uh, into her gun, and Cap is uh, readying his shield, and Iron Man is um, landing and getting into position. If she'd had the stingers that she has in the comics and in the future, it would have been so much cooler than like, and I'll reload my gun. <laughs> yeah. Ready. Like, if that was like her powering them on kind of moment, yes. like that well, would be. The, she even does have the Black Widow bite here and she'll use them later. Like what if, wouldn't it be cooler oh, that's right. if she yeah. just like raised her fist and they started sparking? Like that yes. would have been cooler. Absolutely. Yeah. Damn right wing Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> But what do you think about this moment? Do you, okay, first question. Watching this movie, can you put yourself back into the movie theater in 2012 watching this movie when this moment happened? And we had this uh, shot where the camera spins around our heroes all in their ho- hero pose. This is the moment where we finally have the Avengers getting ready to go to battle as a team. Uh, yeah, I can fully put myself back there because I feel like, you know, again, I think I've talked about it before on past movies, but it's one of those things where I enjoyed the other movies, especially Iron Man um, being the first one. I was I was pretty sold on that movie. The other movies, I was kind of like, all right, you know, sure. Uh, but like seeing them as a team and stuff like that, like I was enjoying the movie up until this point. But I remember physically like kind of like sitting up fully, you know, 
like instead of le- leaning back in my, you know, rec- not recliner chair, they didn't have those yet, but like the kind of, you know, softer chair. But I remember sort of being on the actual edge of my seat when this moment hit. And I was kind of like, yeah, no, I'm fully sold on like an ensemble hero movie just because that was, uh, even if part of it is, you know, CGI and stuff like that, it was still one of the best shots, I think, in the MCU. I feel like there's very few things to me that look better or feel better. There, we have a lot of moments of hope, I think, in the MCU. Especially in the Ant-Man movies. But there's this huge, like, interesting thing of how the MCU works in terms of every time the heroes, like, win and, like, society wins and stuff like that, at the end of the day, the heroes usually don't win entirely. There's, with the exception of, I think, also Iron Man, because that was kind of the first one. They were kind of getting things ready. But there's always some sort of loss for the heroes, which is why by th- times like Infinity War and stuff like that, we are so kind of exhausted, like like the heroes are, because they're kind of always going. And uh, it's, everything kind of compounds up. This is one of those moments where, kind of like Iron Man, uh, where it's like we have a moment of hope where there is good and there is no major, like, we have a loss here by doing this. You know, this is just a, okay... This is the start of that universe, I think, in full. Like, we've had all these heroes, but they're, like, they, they are officially, like, here as a group and here to stay, I think. We've assembled the band, and now they get to play for the first time, sort of Blues Brothers, you know, putting the band back together. But for the first time, um, <laughs> like, it, it's, a, it's a moment of sort of just cohesion, and it's really, I mean, it's iconic. It's, even though, like, Cap's uniform bugs me, and I feel like, I don't know, you know, the Natasha thing will always like t- just tickle me a little bit. <laughs> um, it's just, I t- you know, it's just, it's, it's perfect. It's just, a, it's, you know, it, you know, stairway always sounds good sort of deal. Like it, or I don't know why I picked that. It's not a particular, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. it's, um, it, it just, it's, it's iconic, even, even if it uh, has aged a little bit in terms of sort of composition and, and costuming and stuff. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I'm sure I was choked up in the theater because I still kind of get choked up watching it now, right? Like, it just is so representative of something I had never, ever seen before. And uh, I think you're right. I still I laugh more now than I did at Cap's uh, suit uh, because it, it hasn't aged well. Uh, it, the helmet's bad. Yeah, it's not not good. But uh, but everything. I'm just sure emotionally. I was. I'm sure I was just rocked at my inner child, and um, because there's just a lot of joy in seeing these characters together for the first time. For sure. And I feel like you know they've tried matching it again. Like there is that moment in Ultron toward the beginning in the forest where mm-hmm. they're all running through, and it's, that's also a great. Yeah, shot, it does yeah. that um, kind of the speed ramping to kind of slow down as everybody kind of is in that pose, and it's a cool move to do. And I feel like they're trying to one up this particular shot because I think this was such a successful shot. But it's like a splash page on a comic, too. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. And they also do it also in Ultron uh, when they are protecting like the the hammer button thing. I, for, for, I don't know what it's called, like the well, like the gravity well type thing. They stand in that little like church steeple thing and they kind of stand in a circle and sort of, you know, go outwards, but then also kind of swoop back in and stuff like that. I think that's a pretty cool moment as well and it's it doesn't hit as well as this one does but i think it's one of those things where you recognize that it's like it is that moment for that movie but it doesn't feel cheapened it just is like it just doesn't hit the same now it's a strategy as opposed to a pose yes well that's true and they're also 
at that point also trying to grow the team too, showing us more people in that in the positions. So it is a great moment and it definitely kind of defines this group coming together. And I think really we've been building to this. I mean, we haven't had Clint for so long as part of the team. Uh, you know, Thor fell off the helicarrier. Uh, Bruce fell off the helicarrier. Everybody's been kind of slowly making their way here. And now this like is so Avengers. <laughs> right? This, yeah. They finally are all here. And now we know, okay, Things are getting real now because the whole team's here, and now they're all going to fight. So it works really well. Um, and then that takes us to this overhead shot where you, <laughs> it's kind of a funny shot to cut to because it's from overhead as if we're Loki on his chariot looking down on them. But they're so tiny that you honestly can barely even see them. Like, you can kind of tell there's a little green speck way, way, way down there. <laughs> but it's like, eh, okay, I guess they're there. It's just a funny thing to cut to. The Quinjet we can see crashed around the corner. But it does give us a sense of the destruction, and that's what I like. And then, of course, we do cut to Loki as he kind of sees, I guess, what's happening and, and just has his line, send the rest. And this is where uh, I, but okay, my question, like, how is he communicating with the Chitauri? Is he, is it somehow like whatever his mental connection that he has with the other and then the other is talking to the Chitauri mothership? Like, how does, how do the people in space know what Loki is saying? Space relay? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> He's just, it's like a uh... When, you know, like fireworks are going off and you're pretending to be the one that's controlling them. Like, you're just like, <laughs> ha! And it just happens to work like that. Yeah. Another one. There's, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know what they're called off the top of my head. But at one point when Loki is, like, speaking with, like, Thanos and Thanos is, like, court, essentially, there are those sort of almost, like, anti-watchers type people yeah, listeners. that he talks to. I don't know. what What's that? Listeners. Listeners. Yeah, sure. But, but like, you know, those little kind of creepy little bastards that are, oh, I mean, sorry, those creepy little guys. I don't just think that, that word is. Yeah, I think you're okay on that one. I, 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 mean, think, like, I think Steve's about <laughs> to say it. So true. Well, but this, again, <laughs> all the words. that's that clever thing that you can do in like, you know, whatever, where if you cut it off and then have the next thing, fill it out. It's like, oh, they didn't really say it, you know, because um, there's that gap. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's like every, what, those little creepy guys, though. I feel like they probably have some sort of weird tether to them as well, because like they were, uh, they they talk to him about what the army is like, and you're like, oh, you know, you don't get to make calls or whatever. Uh, but it's also possible for sure that the scepter has some sort of, because um, if he has some sort of thrall over them, and like they are allowing him to to use them at his beck and call, I'm sure they are all connected through that because of his uh, ability to wield it. Because I, I can't believe they all have some sort of space walkie-talkie. You know, it's not like he's like, <laughs> send the rest send them over. Off. Yeah, and they say, did you say over? Well, yeah. Although, he, I guess I guess he is on a chariot, so it is entirely possible that all the chariots have some communication. Oh, Although everyone else is point. like, ah! yeah, because So, I don't know. But he's not wired in. Like, the chariots, I, am, I would imagine their communication would be like when they plug in their USB shoulders into the actual. <laughs> like, that's how they're it's like a, He has a bullpen phone. Chitauri play. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> Bring in the rest. Uh, but, I mean, we do get this fantastic shot. We're now behind two more Leviathans starting to fly through the portal. 
And it's, I mean, it is kind of a cool shot that we get as we see exactly what um, Loki means, send the rest. We actually see more Leviathans, more Chitauri, all kind of coming in through uh, this space hole as they're flying, floating, uh, drifting down toward, um, toward New York. How is it working? Do you like the way that the Battle of New York is is shaping out? Do you feel like this is something our our uh, this new team that we've now finally assembled um, is worth facing? Like, do you like these villains? Do you like the way it's playing? This is uh, the uh, one of the things I hate in video games and kind of love, but like I like to watch other people have to deal with it. Is like, well, we beat that boss, and it turns out that was like the first boss, and then like the next boss is double that plus a little more, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> it's like you haven't right, seen like, my final stage kind of thing. We you know? didn't, yeah, we did not uh, allocate resources uh, well enough. We're gonna have to sort of go back to our save point and kind of start over there. But there's nothing worse than playing a game and thinking that you're done, and you hear the boss music intensify, and the meter yeah. goes. <laughs> And it starts to fill back up, and you go, ha ha, no, no, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> and now it's like a bigger bar, and you're like, no. Um, and that's, that's is a little I bit think. what Maybe I'm supposed like. to lose for the video game, like in yeah, the story. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just, yeah, you exactly. just, like, as soon as you win, you just turn the TV off. And then, yeah, exactly. And then you're done. Yeah. There is Old no. Yeller is a good dog, turn off the <laughs> yeah, show. Right. It's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Uh, oh, Lenny does get to go. You know, yeah. Yeah, Lenny. Good job. Good job, buddy. Weirdly, like 40s and 30s references suddenly coming in. Yeah. Yeah. 1931 baseball references are abundant here. It does work for sure. We're trying to talk on Steve's level here, is what this is. Yeah, true. Exactly. It does work for me in a great deal, like, sorry, to a great deal because of also that same shot that you were talking about of them being like kind of like a speck in the distance. I think that's another cool thing about that shot going from the the circle to the distance to them coming through. I think that it like whether they meant to or not, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like this is such a cool message for me, at least in terms of like superheroes and like how comics and stuff like that typically show things. This does feel, by the way, very Avengers-like to me, where it's like, it's not always we're punching Thanos in the face. Sometimes it's just like, there is a random invasion, and like, we are, there's like another story happening, and someone drops by New York, and they're just like, what's going on? And they're like, hey, pick up a whatever, you know, like, and take this guy on. You're like, it's just like, sometimes people enter <laughs> into the Avengers world. Yeah, it's like a cameo of the Avengers just like fighting robots, and they're like, hey, man, what, what, what can I do for you? And they're like, just fighting people, but like, kind of brushing it off in a way. But I feel like it's cool because it's like they seem so big in that one moment, right? Then you zoom out and you're kind of like, yeah, they're just six people. And to some extent, it's like, what could they What could they do? Sure. But yeah. it also feels a little bit of like what the whole point of like hero stories typically are, which is like, if you see something that's wrong, stand up because, you know, everybody can make a difference. And I feel like that's, you know, this whole thing of like them actually coming together and then mobilizing, which we see in just a moment after this part that we're talking about, they can effectively, as just six people, keep this huge invasion down to a, like, six-block radius. Right. Yeah, and I guess that's, uh, you know, in in the scope of figuring out how to fight this particular battle, we're watching them figure it out in phases, right? Like, at this particular point, they've kind of been doing their best to fight the Chitari that have been here. They have now defeated Leviathan. It feels like a great victory. Oh, no, more coming. Okay, 
Now it's part two of the battle, and they're going to keep fighting. And then we'll get to part three. This is never going to end. We need to actually, the portal is the place that we have to actually attack. And so it's, it's, we're kind of watching the phases. And so in a certain extent, we've just kind of entered the second phase of this particular battle. I don't know why I, of all people, am bringing phases into this when I am so, par- so frustrated with the fact that they already have phase two as far as this whole line of weapons. And then the, the, you know, meta version of the story is all these different phases. It's like, I, I should know better. Right. <laughs> and, and it's phase two is all the way down, though. This is where we are in the battle. The yes. phase two yep. weapons, phase two of the movies. Just, you know, there's only one phase. And phase it's like two. phase two of their relationships as well, because, you know, they were just up on the ship and they were so individualistic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was a little bit of like, I don't know if it's them not buying into the program or what you know, depending on who the character is. It's also that thing of, you know, Hawkeye and Black Widow, I think, were kind of more of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents versus actual Avengers, uh, at least for the initiative. But then, like, whether they meant to or not, by this moment, like, they are for sure a part of that that team. And, you know, they were at each other's throats. They were fighting. They were bickering. They were laughing at each other. And then one uh, problem comes up, and they kind of, Eh, okay, I guess I'll work with you. But then, like, once it's like, okay, there's this huge grand scale thing, all that stuff doesn't matter anymore. It's like, we are, this is who we are. We're going to put our differences aside. It's like, that stuff is like, who cares about it? Like, we can't let people suffer. It's really the next point of, uh, you know, leading us into exactly this next part of our minute here, right? Because we went from all of that being so individualistic, everyone's fighting. And now, Tony himself is actually giving the authority here to Captain America and says, call it, Captain. I will allow you to say this. Right. And suddenly it's like... That was huge. Yeah, that was a huge moment. And now this is the moment where Cap has the authority to lead and he actually puts the plan into place and everybody jumps and and goes and does their thing. It it works exceptionally well. Some higher than others. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Can I uh, talk about uh, a thing that I I noticed... um, that I did some research on, please. Of course. When Cap says, uh, tells Thor that he needs to bottleneck the the uh, aliens or whatever, bottleneck that portal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his Boston accent comes through. He says bottleneck, and uh, I did look up, uh, try to look up uh, Boston versus Brooklyn because I was like, maybe Chris Evans is just nailing this performance, but it's for sure a Boston accent, and I think that that's really funny that it's like. Okay. Well, I mean, it's just one word, but in your, you know, by the minute format, it's like, wait a minute. That's funny. That's, wait, yeah, wait a minute. But like, I think it's fun to to see Chris Evans sort of, I like when, when accents just like slip just, you know, just a little yeah. bit and then you get back into it. I, I, I would like just hearing that. It makes me just want to stop and go watch that. What was that one he did with, uh, what's his name? <laughs> John, John Krasinski. Krasinski. Yeah. You can't park there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It may be that I watched that on a TikTok earlier today. Yeah, and, and that's, that's all you hear. Mean, I for sure did. And uh, that may have been in my head. So. Um, my mom has also recently taken up to, uh, she really liked, you know, the Captain America stuff. Uh, she liked Chris Evans. And um, like he grew on her the more that she sort of witnessed him. And so now she's trying to find his other projects. Uh, and so she just watched Gifted the other day, um, which I think is 2017, the one about his, like, little genius kid. Yeah, genius uh, yeah. niece. The genius do- uh, niece, yeah. rather, yeah. Yep. Oh, oh yeah, I see TikToks about that. 
<laughs> yes, I've yeah, that's also I've watched how that I've movie in part on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Jenny Slate and everything. Uh, yeah. So that's all you that, need to uh, do like, for Tremors is just go yeah. find a TikTok. Yeah, video oh, that's, that's, point, right? yeah. the whole point. On <laughs> Get on Tremor sure. Talk and yeah, and let me know <laughs> when you get there. Yeah, I'll just I'll next time I see James, I'll pick up his phone and just like I don't have to turn it on. I'll just go Tremors. Yeah, Tremors. Tremors like twelve times, and TikTok will hear it and he'll start showing. Um, but there was a moment and I wish I had like written it down cause I, but like at the time I didn't know it was going to be relevant, but it was the same thing where he wasn't speaking with a Boston accent. He was just talking, you know, fairly normally. Um, that sounds so, uh, you Nor- know, normal, not weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah, but no, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, like with a, with a more the generic standard, American accent, right. A, a right. generic accent. Yeah. Generic. Um, but there was one word and I wish I had written down, but it, it did tickle me because I was like kind of half watching because I've seen it you know, mostly again through TikTok. And I was like, <laughs> and then he said something and I went, that is not how you would say that. Like, <laughs> it was like, it was such a hard, like, it was like just a single word, but like it hit so heavily. And I was like, we didn't get a single other take on that. No one said, hey, Chris, real quick. Um, yeah, hey, you're living it's in Florida right now. Store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty much like that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Yeah. Uh, like up and at them. Yeah, (laughs) I can only imagine for an actor with an accent that that's always going to be a hard thing to do when you're in the moment. Like, you know, it's it's like you're doing your best to kind of perform and deliver everything you need to emotionally and physically in relation to what's happening. And then you also have to remember, I have to make sure that I'm using this particular accent. And there's always going to be those little slips. And this is why. You know, people love making fun of uh, actors and their accents. And this is why I'm probably terrible at ever pulling them out because, you know, I am more in the moment and I'm just I am also not as attuned to all of those things. So I could probably go listen to him saying bottleneck that portal and still go. It sounded normal to me. Like I probably still am not going to be able to. Go. <laughs> well, like I, I my Internet searching was I was like. I was like, uh, Boston accent bottle. And they're like, you want to hear how British people say the word bottle? I was like, no. Minus British, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I guess Bostonians were, if you go back far enough, <laughs> <they were laughs> Bostonians were British people persisting. But like, um, I just, yeah, uh, it was it was funny to, to, to watch. But I found this like. Like for actors, it was really funny to put, put myself in, in the place of an actor who was like, yeah, I can do a Boston accent. YouTube. How <laughs> to do, do a Boston, Boston accent. accent. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was watching it. I saw a video the other day, just a, a brief sidetrack on top of your sidetrack of Matthew Rice, uh, who was on uh, The Americans and Perry Mason. And he plays notoriously American people, but he's a Brit. And he said I, he, his interview was, uh, I'm Perry Mason and I'm doing this case about murder and they want me to say murder like a million times and i could not say murder and i said maybe could we go with killer and they said you're perry goddamn mason you're gonna say murder <laughs> figure it out <laughs> that was brilliant. Like, yeah yeah uh, yeah that's geez. hilarious uh, all right. Well, we've got uh, the team kind of caps given instructions and everything. Barton's going to go up to the roof and and Iron Man's going to take him up. And this is where Tony's <laughs> nickname tracker comes back. Uh, number seven, yes, Legolas, uh, which is fantastic. Although it does make me really want, uh, think that as just 
you know, Tony being Tony, that as he grabs Clint, it's actually by the underwear and he gives him a wicked wedgie as a he huge pulls wedgie. Him yeah, for sure. He warned him. He told him yeah. to clench, clench up. up. Yeah, he what does say clench do up. you mean? Yeah, that's what you say right before you give a wedgie. <laughs> exactly. Everyone does that. So it doesn't, yeah, chafe too bad. Uh, right, exactly. I, I do like to think that he's not referencing uh, the books, The Lord of the Rings, or even the movies, but more the cultural phenomenon of Legolas. Like, the Orlando Bloom of it all. And I can't, it's hard for me to picture Tony Stark watching Lord of the Rings for some reason. Like, interesting. I don't know. To me, that's, to me, that's like a, okay, you know how, or reading it, you know how later on, Bucky talks about Lord of the Rings. He's like, you've read Lord of the Rings? Like, yeah, when it first came when out, it first right? came out, yeah. I feel Bucky. like he's, it's the same thing for him in a way. It's, I think it's secondhand from his father. His father maybe probably read it because he was, I mean, look, oh. he was a oh, big nerd too, you know? Uh, he probably was like, you know, telling his son about this. He's like, God, Dad, I don't care about your Dungeons and Dragons stuff. And he's like, <laughs> No, Tony, it's not Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I I like to think that in in his suit as he's doing one of his around the world flights to like get mm. get to Europe or something, that he just calls up Jarvis and say, You know what, Jarvis, play something for me. What's that movie that's what everyone's talking about right now? Yeah, just play that one. You think he's a big audiobook guy? His in flight entertainment. Jarvis, read me Lord of the Rings. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. I think he has Jarvis read Lord of the Rings and summarize it for him <laughs> in twelve paragraphs. <laughs> the Jarvis notes version. Jarvis. <laughs> Do you think and it's then, also uh, like, you know, he knows he wants to get like a real good zinger in there and secretly inside the helmet, there is a little drop down menu of every archer that he could potentially call him. <laughs> he's like, Robin Hood's too, too obvious. And he goes, Legolas, le, 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 he's like, say it, Jarvis. Right. And Jarvis tells him, he goes, okay, here we go. Right. With Got a pronunciation it. guide, because yeah. you know, Tony's yeah. never said it I before. love that. <laughs> right. Yeah. In fact, now I, I like to think that for all of these references, that it's been Jarvis who's been planting them in his head through the suit, because Tony is just mm-hmm. so culturally unaware. He's only so focused on himself. He's like, oh, Shakespeare. I've say heard of that guy Leo. before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although he also strikes me as the kind of guy that, you know, easily could have sat through 20 minutes worth of a movie to be like, listen, I saw this it, I chick get it. digs this movie, but also I dig this chick. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know? And he's, he's the guy who'd watch 20 minutes. He goes, oh, oh, I get it. I know where this is going. I get yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured this out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they take the ring. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. sure, sure, <laughs> sure. They, they have the Hawks take the thing. And yeah, I got <laughs> yeah. this. This is fine. They go, there's three movies. What? (laughs) (laughs) Let's wrap up today's minute. Uh, It has been a fantastic conversation with you two. We'll have you back uh, next week to talk about Minute 117. Another big moment. Should be a lot of fun. So uh, tell us again about uh, Timeline Scavengers and what you two are up to over there. Yes. uh, Timeline Scavengers is a MCU podcast as well, where we are assembling the MCU timeline in historical order. So instead of going through the movies in a chronological sense, the way that you all are, we are going from the dawn of time, uh, starting in like Thor 2, uh, going all the way through to the end of time, um, which we are not there even remotely. We are barely in the 80s right now. Um, but we are at the time of this recording, we just started Luke Cage, um, like flashback scenes. Um, and we are in 1985, I believe, at the time of this recording. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're getting close to like the 90s and Captain Marvel time. Uh, but yeah, it's one of the, I think we've only had one moment in which we've like lined up perfectly, um, between our two shows. Yeah. As you're going through this, the, uh, chronologically through it, are you finding benefit in, in seeing it unfold chronologically as opposed to, uh, in the film formats? 
Like, do you go, oh, that's interesting. Those are happening at the same time. Mostly right now, it's um, it's things like, oh, wow, that's a remarkable... Like, we met a character in, in, like, one brief scene that then, like, three months later, we see him in an alternate timeline, like, fully established because one show, one scene of the show was in season two and one scene of the show was in season seven. But it was like, and when I was, you know, synopsizing the, the scene, it was like, and then this character who is beloved, but we did just meet him uh, two months ago, does all this stuff. It's, it, it puts it in a kind of entertaining, like, <laughs> uh, pacing thing. But um, I'm really looking forward. I think Captain Marvel is where it's really going to start coming together of like, we've, we've recorded the flashback, uh, the 1989 flashback. And so, we know what the deal is and now we're going to start recording Captain Marvel and she's not going to know what the deal is, but we are so we can not trust people and right going forward with like, like being sort of a watcher mm-hmm. in, in this, in this podcast, it has us being like, uh, you know, certain people are going to say things that you're like, Oh, he's just stern, but we're going to be like, Oh, he's a bad yeah, right, 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 right. Not to spoil anything. Yeah, right. um, yeah. I will say it's also the, to the same extent. It's like it's so funny, kind of effectively ruining a surprise that is built in by you know, being introduced to a character for four or five episodes, and then they do a flashback to show you. Oh, by the way, they're a traitor, and you can tell that by this scene from thirty years ago. Right? We're now seeing that before we technically quote unquote meet them um, in in present day again in heavy quotes. But like it's also great because it 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 again informs you of that way later, so you can literally see the things like through the lies. Yeah. So when they are talking to them now, you have the context of being able to go. They said this, but they were talking. Okay, so you start to put different ways of like why they chose this wording, stuff like that. So it's it's a fascinating way to look at it. I think it ruins some reveals. But then there are other reveals that become way more exciting. I feel like we yeah. we, we we are pretty coy when we can. We are pretty coy when we can be about like we have we, we there's a character on Agent Carter that we met as a child, and then right before Agent Carter started, and then like right before Agent Carter started, where we were like, okay, so this one is this one. But then like we we established that this lady was this lady we met with Tony Stark. We didn't establish that she was this other whole character until we saw until we saw her show off her black widow moves it's not a spoiler because we've already covered it but like yeah, right, right. um like it's fun to to see if there's a way to keep the timeline in the order we want to do it while also still keeping things uh kind of a secret which is kind of a yeah the reveals yeah that's that's a trick but yeah i actually built a playlist in my podcast apps which actually takes your entire podcast and reassembles it in narrative order and it's still just as good just as good thanks that's wild (laughs) so much work i cannot believe you guys do this it's amazing well we'll have the links for everything in the show notes so check those out everybody if you're not seeing the links in the show notes on your podcatcher just go to our website marvelmovieminute.com and you can get everything there Thanks, you two, so much for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Well, it has been fun, so uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another guest to talk about Minute 114. So, Pete, thanks as always. I don't care who it is, Andy. We're going to ride the lightning. (laughs) Until next time, True Believers.
Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.